Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and I have to ask, are you there? Are you listening? I genuinely hope so, because I got a unique show for you this month. I decided that since everything sucks in the world, let's be honest, I wanted to do something different and positive to keep everybody's spirits up during these difficult times. So... For something different, so I'm not basically giving the same show month after month after month after month, I've decided I'm going to start mixing it up a little bit and doing different stuff. This month, because we are basically going to be moving into Phantom Lake Kids season, for lack of a better term, because all we're getting for the next probably three or four movies is Phantom Lake Kids movies, the way things are going, I decided to uh, talk to the Phantom Lake Kids and uh, get to know them a little bit. I know them well, they're my kids. But you may not know them. A lot of them are faces that you've seen as they've grown up in my films. Since we're currently on track to release The Unseen Invasion this year around the holidays, I wanted to talk to some of the kids about what it was like to make the movies and, and what the movies have meant to them growing up in this weird, very unique environment having their dad be this guy who makes these weird movies and you know we've done a lot of events over the years and they've gone to a lot of them and so this has been their background reality since well most of them were born so i thought it'd be fun to talk to them give you a little glimpse into what we've been up to but then also give you something different to listen to other than me talking about who knows I mean, there's only so many times I can say, here's what's happening. Give me money, right? So I'm just going to get that out of the way really fast. Here's what's happening. I'm currently about three quarters of the way done with the Phantom Lake Kids in the Unseen Invasion. When I don't really have much else to do, I find that I'm very efficient at getting stuff done. When I can focus on one thing, I get it done. It's not the only thing I'm focusing on. I'm also making this really cool uh, NES-style video game that takes place in the Mimiverse, but that is still probably a year plus before it'll be released to the public. So I'm not talking about that much right now because I want to focus on the movie that will be coming out this year, the 2020 film, which I guess if you think about it is the most appropriate film to be released in 2020, the Mimiverse quarantine movie, The Phantom Like Kids and The Beast Walks Among Us. So I'm getting close. I figure by the end of the month, mid October, the movie will be done. I'm going to release it this year. I've said that already. That is going to happen unless something terrible happens and I can't finish it for whatever reason. Who knows? Let's knock on wood. That's me knocking on my desk and hope that everything works out fine. Barring any natural disasters and it is 2020, so it's possible. Barring any of that, it'll be coming out. And then we will release The Beast Walks Among Us next year. I'm hoping and fingers crossed for a live premiere. Obviously, there are no guarantees, but some of the things that we're going to do with the digital premiere of The Unseen Invasion is just me trying things out, seeing what works. I have some cool ideas I think will be fun. And I even have ideas to get you involved in a little bit of a way as a way to uh, make it feel almost like a premiere. But I won't be announcing that until I actually finish the movie and I know I can get it out this year. See, that's the thing. I don't want to make too many promises. Obviously, I'm saying that I'm on track to release it this year, and I I am. But this year has shown that the best laid plans don't always work out. So, fingers crossed, this year we're doing a cool digital premiere and I want to involve you guys. And even if it's just a handful of you, it really won't take much of an effort on your part nor will it cost you anything to participate in the way that I'm thinking. 
other than maybe some of your time to prepare some things, but that's just where we're at. So keep that in the back of your mind. If you would like to quote unquote participate in the digital premiere of the Unseen Invasion this year, be excited, be ready for when I put out the call to submit some stuff back to me. It shouldn't take you very long to put any effort into it, but it's all in the planning stages. I'm thinking ahead because we're three and a half months out from when the premiere would be, which is cutting it close. But at the same time, because I'm not doing a physical release when I do the digital release, I can do that later. So it's like my timeline's all messed up, but it's 2020. Your timeline's all messed up, right? So that's what's going on. Unseen Invasion is coming together. We still need contributions to keep the lights on. Honestly, would really help out. Keep this alive. I do have an idea for a third Phantom Like Kids movie, which honestly is probably what I'm going to shoot next. Not including the Mimiverse holiday special, which we will actually start shooting here in a couple months once we finish up Unseen Invasion. But uh, the next two things are basically going to be the Mimiverse holiday special and the Phantom Like Kids 3 I've already started writing it. I have some really cool, funny ideas. It involves giant chickens. That's all I'm going to say. There may be some references to the brain from Planet Eris. I don't know. I'm just saying I've begun writing it. So it is, it's happening because none of this is going to be sorted out probably for another freaking year. So I'm just trying to plan ahead, kind of banking stuff. You know, I got this one movie done. I got another movie almost done. So I've got at least this year, next year's movie wrapped up. If I'm sticking with the one movie a year thing, I'm still on pace then to release the holiday special next holiday and then release Phantom Lake Kids 3 in 2022. So like I said, it's Phantom Lake Kids season. I genuinely hope you like these characters and these films because it's mostly the only thing I can do right now. But they're fun and they're stupid and they're funny and they're very lighthearted, which is exactly what I think we need right now. I don't know about you, but lighthearted stuff is exactly what I've been wanting because the world is in such a mess right now, or at least the United States in particular is in such a mess right now. It's really nice to turn off your mind and enjoy something dumb, which is why I opted to watch Bill and Ted Face the Music opening night. And I just bought it because I love the Bill and Ted movies, honestly. First one came out when I was probably 12 or 13 and the next one came out when I was 15, and, and I loved the movies when I was a teenager. They're honest and fun and weird. I mean, really weird. I actually really like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which tends to be the lowest on the list for most people, but I really like it because it's so bizarro. The whole going to hell and heaven, and it's just, it's so weird. And I like that. I like that it just embraces the weird. And I think Bill and Ted 3 did a good job of that as well. Honestly, it was nice to have something that was lighthearted and fun. I mean, it was about the end of reality, <laughs> which is kind of heavy subject matter, but presented it in such a fun way. And the characters are genuine and honest. And I didn't worry about my kids seeing it. I wasn't worried about any of the content or any of that. So for me, it was like being a teenager again. For my kids, it was just something fun. We watched the other two for the first time recently so that they'd be up to speed on it. And we watched it as a family and it was really nice, funny and fun. And I feel like that's the kind of vibe I would like to put out into the universe with my movies right now. I think it needs it. I think the world is on fire and you need some aloe for the soul. I was trying to sound profound there. I don't know if I did or not, but anyway, Phantom of the Kids, Unseen Invasion, coming together, almost done. We're going to see it this year. Dang it. I'm going to at least say, come hell or high water, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it happens. If nothing else, I just don't want to lose releasing a movie a year. And so if it came down to it and it's just like, I'm not going to be able to release it this year, 
Like it just requires more work than I have time. I'll just release the other one, but I don't want to do that. I want to hold off on that one because it's just bigger. This one's smaller and honestly very appropriate to this year because a lot of people will be able to relate because we made this while in quarantine as we still sort of sit in quarantine. So there's that. I want to remind you that if you would like to contribute to the Mimiverse, you can do so at unseeninvasion.com. I bought it. And it'll take you to the Unseen Invasion page and you can get your name in the credits. Pre-purchase access to the world premiere online. The world premiere will not be just free. It will be a small fee, like a rental fee, but it won't be very much. Here's the thing. You can purchase world premiere tickets now. You'll get access to the online premiere, which will only be available for a limited period of time. If you buy more than one, those tickets will actually be used for the eventual physical event we hold for the DVD release. We'll do a party and those tickets will get you into that. So that's my plan. Unseeninvasion.com. Contribute if you can. Maybe buy some puzzles. We don't have many left. We really don't have very many left. And help us out if you can. If you can't and you're struggling, don't worry about it. I get it. We're all struggling. I'm sure you're sick and tired of artists like, hey, give me money. I'm having trouble. We are, admittedly. We're struggling a little bit. But if you're struggling too, don't worry about it. If you're not struggling and you're saving, don't worry about it. If you can, it's much appreciated, but you don't have to. We're going to find ways to keep this going one way or another, even if I have to start selling nudes, which you don't want to see that. So instead, maybe you should contribute so I don't start selling nudes. No one wants to see that. I'm not young or in good shape. Anyway, I'm going to play the audio of this interview I did with Allison David the quality is different. I recorded it in a different room and we didn't have individual mics. We're all sort of crowded around one microphone. So I, I'm doing my best to clean it up. It may not be perfect. And then after that, we have Rich Chamberlain for another Kansas City Crypt. After that, I'll say a few words. I'm sure you already know what they are. And then after that, Dr. Bob Tesla of Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob is back with a joke. So good show for you this month. I'll talk to you again after the Kansas City Crypt. Hi there. This is my interview for the Numiverse Monthly Audio Cast. Ignore the cat. Trying to uh, mix it up a little bit to keep this interesting. I am talking to two of the stars of what is right now the next two Numiverse movies. Probably three, the way things are going. The two youngest stars, David and Alice Mim. You guys are related, right? Yeah. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> Say hi individually. Hi. Who are you? David Mim. Hi, I'm Alice Mim. And who do you play in the Phantom Lake Kids movies, David? Butch. And who do you play? I play Evelyn Johnson. Now, we just finished filming what? The Unseen Invasion Phantom Lake Kids movie. Right. And last year, what did we make? Beast Box Among Us. Which has not been released. But you guys were these same characters like five years ago when, David, you were only like... Five. If that. I think you were four, four. when we actually shot it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what was that movie, Alice? Uh, Danny Johnson Saves the World. Yeah, because your big dumb brother, yeah. Elliot, was <laughs> Danny Johnson. You had a big line in that movie, David. You remember what it was? Yeah, let's play. What was the other one? Goodbye, Dave. Goodbye, Dave. 
You're so young, you couldn't even say Steve. You said goodbye, Steve. And Alice, you played Evelyn, the little firecracker little sister, right? <laughs> yes. Stole the show in every, every scene you were in. You also have been in other movies. People may not know this, but you two share a distinct thing that no one else in the world can say in that you are the only two people that we know of who have been in Mimiverse movies while in utero. While making Cave Women on Mars, your mom, Stephanie, my wife, was pregnant with Alice. Yep. And that's part of the reason why she's so covered up as the high priestess was because we're hiding that. And David, she was pregnant with you when she was indexed in Destination Outer Space. So technically, you guys are in those movies. We just yeah. don't see you. In fact, no one could see you at that point except ultrasound technicians. Anyway, so let's talk about the Phantom Lake kids. David, tell us about your, your character Butch. What makes him Butch? He has a hat. A hat. The raccoon hat. And he always likes to eat. Yes. Even when he just ate a lot. Right. And he also has... Either a friend or a brother that... We don't know. Kind of is his best friend. Right. Chip. Who will talk to Chip, played by your brother, <laughs> Daniel Mim. We'll talk to him next month. But Dan, just so everyone's aware, makes Michael Kaiser seem talkative. So I don't know how much we're going to get out of Dan, but we'll talk to him next month. And maybe talk to, to Danny Johnson. Maybe even get Billy Blue in here, who is a new character that the people listening don't know yet, but he basically replaces Red from Danny Johnson Saves the World. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so what about his hat? What's so special about his hat? When he thinks of something, he can bring it out of his hat, kind of like uh So he's got a magic hat. Yeah. See, people haven't seen this yet, but this is part of the thing, is that he has kind of a crazy magic hat. Yeah. And it's never really explained why or how. We just know he has it and is played very much for comedy. Alice, you played Evelyn now three times, and we'll probably play her again in... Actually, no, technically, you've played these characters now four, uh, four times, because yeah. you actually all had a cameo in... Giant Spider? Oh, wow! I totally forgot about five, that! Five, five times! Because, David, you were all of, like, two years old, and you fell off of a giant tire and, and fell on your big diaper butt, <laughs> and that, we decided, was Butch. Right? And with Chip. And when you saw Chip running away from the giant spider, he was playing in the sand. You also appeared as the Phantom Lake Kids in what movie? Oh, uh, Queen Snakes. Yes. You're in the, the movie theater, and this is actually the first time you ever see Billy Blue. Yeah. That's the kid. That's Caleb Frank. He's sitting behind Dan Shervin and Rachel Grubb as they're sitting in the Heights Theater about to watch basically Attack of the Moon Zombies. Yeah. So, Alice, you've played this character before. Tell us about... Uh -huh. The character, what do you like about her? Um, she's very independent, very brave, and she's very intelligent. Makes the boys kind of look stupid. Ah, of. so that's what you like about it. You like <laughs> making the boys look stupid. All right, beware, yeah. boys. She likes making you look stupid. Like, she's um, the idea, kind of, of the group, basically. She's the, she's the brains, is yeah. what you're saying. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> All the boys are mostly dumb. Yes, let's be honest. <laughs> you gonna take that from your sister? <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about playing Butch? What do you like about his character? That he's kind of the comedy relief. 
He is and, a And uh, I actually kind of really like to eat, and I get to <laughs> eat in the movies. So your favorite part about playing it is you get to eat. Maybe not the favorite, but definitely up there, right? Yeah. Right. Even though it should be said, you always have to wear, like, pants and... <laughs> like you're wearing a flannel and you got super hot when we're making Unseen Invasion, I'm, right? I get hot really easily. Yeah, you guys are definitely winter kids. I like the summer though. I mean, everyone likes the summer. Yeah. As long as it's not, be you know, except Alice, I guess. <laughs> Unless it's beastly hot. So, uh, what is your favorite Mimiverse movie? Oh. You've seen them all. I mean, yeah. you've even seen the ones no one else has seen. I say ones like there's more than one. Well, I mean, it's kind of, kind of one is. and three quarters of one, basically. I don't know, because they're all different in different ways. So it's kind of hard to pick your favorite. What about I, you, David? I like Attack of the Moon Zombies a lot. Yeah. I also like Guns of the Apocalypse You know. and Dan Johnson. Alice, you had a big role in Guns of the Apocalypse. What mm -hmm. was it like to play Hope? It kind of helped me on my expressions. Because <laughs> all you do is express yeah. with your face in that movie? Yeah, and David does my lines, so... That's right. Yeah, I do. Yeah, see, because that was the movie, if no one is aware, is that we replaced almost everybody's voices, and I ended up doing the the unnamed man voice, right? For Tyler, because Tyler has a very high squeaky voice, right? He sounds very much like a little kid. <laughs> Tyler doesn't listen to this, so I can make fun of him. And then we had David replace Alice's voice. Now, you two of all my kids here seem to be the most into the movie thing, right? You are also the only kids in this family who were not alive when we started doing this. So this has been your whole life. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's cool your dad makes movies or do you get sick of it? I think it's cool because half the time I'm in them. And oh, it's okay. really fun oh, cool. to be in them. And, uh... The other half, like, I don't really know about it, and it's kind of cool to find out about it. Like, Twin and Snakes, I knew nothing until I went to none of the shoots, and, like, none of the shoots were at our house. Well, there are a couple, but, yeah, but I don't think I you were here. Or you were playing outside or doing something else. I think it's really cool, because it's, it's even cool to, like, just... I never get sick of them. Well, that's good. <laughs> and, um... Even like when I'm watching and helping, it's really cool to just see how it works and just... There's a lot of photos of you just sort of helping out behind the scenes yeah. in the photo galleries and stuff. People don't realize this, but you basically kind of direct when I'm on screen, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm not on screen a lot, but in The Beast Walks Among Us, I took a pretty major role. So you ran the camera yeah. and basically yelled action and cut and yelled at Michael when he sucked, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Right? So, I mean, that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing we should talk about real quick is people don't know this, but David single-handedly saved the Mimiverse. Didn't you? Mm, yeah. He did. A couple years ago. Quick story. Was it? A couple years ago now. It was a year ago. A year or so. Yeah. Time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> a year or so ago, I was very fed up with a lot of stuff for whatever reason, and I decided I was going to quit. I'm done. I, was, I wasn't going to make any more movies. What happened? I told you that, and? Uh, I kind of started trying and started trying to get you to keep doing movies. He begged you and begged. And then you made a promise about that, that Basically, you would never stop. 
David made me promise to never stop making movies because he loves them so much, apparently. And he just thinks it's too cool and too fun. Plus, he wants to eventually get big enough to replace Michael as the monster, and he hasn't done that yet. So it's like one of his bucket list items would be off the table if I quit. So David used guilt against his dad and made me feel horrible. And David has one of these really expressive faces when he cries that just makes you feel like horrible. So I was like, fine, fine, I'll keep making them. So he actually saved the Mimiverse. So send Amazon gift cards to uh, <laughs> P.O. Box 120480, St. Paul, Minnesota 55112 to express your appreciation for David saving the Mimiverse, and I'll pass them on to him. Anyway, obviously life sucks right now because of COVID-19, right? And it sort of forced us to make some changes in our plans Right? With the mm -hmm. Mimiverse, we're supposed to have a cool big old premiere in April and never happen. Yeah, so, we're in the middle of making a right. movie. And The Beast Walks Among Us uh, was delayed, and That Which Lurks in the Dark was indefinitely postponed at this point, depending on situation as it unfolds. So, we decided to do Unseen Invasion, right? Yeah. Now, did you have fun making Unseen Invasion? Because we started doing this right as all the craziness started. Was it a fun way to ignore the fact that we were in crazy land now? I think it did give me some joy to uh, look forward. Because you day. got to eat a bunch of dinner rolls? <laughs> well, no, not that. Because oh, I got to that. almost in every scene, and it was something to look forward you to. You guys are basically in almost every single scene. Instead yeah. of just being bored outside. Right. It was like my one joy of this coronavirus, besides like hanging out. It was just... Because you lost curling. Yeah. You're a big curler. You're one of the best curlers on our team. And you're you're on your way to the Olympics. And of course, this just wrecked all that. Uh-huh. And it was... Temporarily. Oh, that was... It just... So it was fun. You guys enjoyed yeah. making the movie. Even with yeah. the late nights. Even with the late nights fun. and your annoying dad yelling at you because you're not paying attention, David. What? <laughs> yes, I'm pointing out it was David who was, like, distracted half the time. But you know what you got to say. David, you're, what, 10 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, and Alice, you're 64? <laughs> no, I'm 12. I was, <laughs> I was close. That's our dog, buddy. Say hi, buddy. Oh, hi. Okay, you can stop saying hi. Okay. Okay. <laughs> This is the, <laughs> Buddy has a few things to say about the Mimiverse. We're not listening because we can't speak dog, but all the dogs there are like, I know, I totally love that movie too. <laughs> Buddy was actually in Two. the end of uh, the end of Danny Johnson Saves the World. And, you. and he makes a very small cameo appearance in The Beast Walks Among Us by accident. He kind of snuck into a shot and I decided that... Uh, I would just keep it because it was funny. Because mm -hmm. you just see him walking down a hallway as I pan away. So it's just like blink and you miss it. But he's there. So we were making Unseen Invasion and kind of having a good time, right? Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah. you guys are 10 and 12. And yeah, and, uh, yeah I, I, being your dad, I lose my patience with you in ways I wouldn't with other actors. But uh, I got to say, you guys did a really good job of just staying focused and do this. I don't think a lot of people understand the amount of work that goes into actually making a movie. And the fact that you guys put that much time and effort into memorizing your lines and doing the scenes. And there's a lot of physical comedy in this. Um, yeah. 
you play baseball with a with a loaf of bread. That um, was a hard one. That was a hard one. It was um, late. It, it was would probably late. be very funny though. It's I it's I just finished editing that. I just need to add some sound effects and some music, and it'll be done. And so I mean, it was a lot of stuff. But I mean, you get Alice gets pelted in the face with a dinner roll. <laughs> And was it fun to like watch your sister get hit in the face with dinner rolls repeatedly? Yeah, it was kind of fun to play baseball. Not but, at all. Like it was kind of cool when I broke it. We kept breaking the <laughs> bread. We had to glue it together with hot glue to keep the bread. It sometimes hurt when I got pelted in the face. They threw it so hard. So Caleb and Elliot were off to the side throwing bread rolls at Alice, and they were trying not to hurt her, but of course a couple hit her right square in the nose. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, the take I used because it looks authentic and it's pretty funny. Because it is. David, do you prefer to do dramatic scenes or comedic scenes? Can I mean, I guess you haven't done a lot of dramatic scenes. scenes. No, not really. Um, but do you like playing the comedy? Because people who have listened or listen to this have seen that scene. I really seen uh, Seven mm -hmm. uh, where... Uh, you guys come in back from in outside and you're like, what's going on? And, you know, the Danny and Billy are slapping each other and you slap Chip just for fun. Uh, so they know the kind of goofy Three Stooges sort of stuff we're going for. Do you have fun doing that stuff? I have fun doing probably both because sometimes the dramatic scene sometimes all the way turns into comedy. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes. But also the comedy is kind of really fun because I don't know it's just fun. Alice mm -hmm. you have done straight up dramatic stuff uh, with particularly Guns of the Apocalypse mm -hmm. uh, and comedic stuff which is more the, the family kid stuff. Also you tend to be more the straight man to everyone else which you know you don't tend to be as crazy. Yeah. Like David and Dan are by far the comedy relief and you are the more like can everyone focus so we can defeat the monster and everyone's like no we'd rather be stupid which do you prefer or do you like it all um do you like the challenge i do like the challenge i like um i like how we get to play sometimes different ways like there's sometimes like very i don't know different ways that you can in the movies there's different ways you can act so it's very interesting and very cool to go both like dramatic and comedic gotcha was it fun to melt doug sydney's face um <laughs> i mean it was i don't know <laughs> i feel was, like your uncomfortableness says that yes it was totally fun to melt doug's face no it was just how the makeup was was cool and like how it was i don't know how to explain it david hmm. tell us about how you had a cameo in Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter. Oh, yeah. Let me start by asking you this. How many lines did you have in the script for Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter? Zero. How many lines did you weasel your way into for the final cut? One? Yeah, one. Because you were like, I want a line! <laughs> He's literally just supposed to be sitting in the cafe and they leave, but no. He wanted a line. I remember in that where you almost said that I tr uh, you didn't think it would play out well because of your camera angle. Mm -hmm. And then I started freaking out. See, <laughs> David is very good at making me feel bad and getting what he wants in these movies. Which is good for the fact that that means we'll end up with some cool movies in the future, right? 
What is your favorite memory of doing live events with the Mimiverse? Mm, like if like we went somewhere and did something and or we did a convention or we did a screening or we went to the drive-in or whatever. What are like one or two of your favorite events over the years? Because again, this is your childhood basically because you're growing up with this and I won't shut up about it and I keep involving you guys. Uh, not that you two ever seem to mind. So we've done a lot of stuff over the years as a family and doing things. Yeah. What is your favorite memory or like of an event we've done? Hmm. I really liked, oh, where was that? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was either Nebraska or Ohio. All eight of us went, it wasn't Pennsylvania though. Okay. All eight of us went. What did we do? We went either to Nebraska, Ohio, but not Pennsylvania. What did we do? <laughs> oh, wait. In oh, wait. Pencil, uh, I think it was the one, the 24-hour. That was Ohio. Oh, so that was, that was Ohio, yes. You're talking about the 24-hour um, Mimathon with Dr. Bob. Yeah, I thought it was fun trying to stay awake, even though I fell asleep in the third movie. Uh, I fell asleep in the theater, too. I mean, they're my movies, and I was having trouble staying awake. I remember only two people, actually, I think, stayed up the whole time. And we drove back immediately after that. I got about two hours of movie theater nap, and I Same. drove, like, all the way back to Minnesota, which was probably not smart. But we survived, right? Mm, yeah. So that was one of your favorite ones? You really liked the marathon? I also really marathon? liked uh, Pennsylvania. Which, okay, we've been to Pennsylvania a few times, so what are we talking about here? The one we did in 2018, Blobfest. Blob okay, so not, because we did Monster Bash, which is in Pittsburgh, so you got to be specific. We did, Mon uh, we did Monster Bash like a while ago, though. So that was Blobfest. What was your favorite part of a Blobfest? Well, first, I like never saw the Blob. I don't really, really remember Pennsylvania. And we also, on the way to Pennsylvania, we stopped at a few places. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like, there was like some cool things and like cool places we So that was at. a cool family vacation is what you're saying. Yeah, and uh... You got to do the run out at Blobfest. Yeah, mm -hmm. which was very slow. And yeah, we did it slow because the last time I did it before that I fell in <laughs> front of everybody and and felt like a dork. Uh, so I held your hands and we all kind of went slow. It was more um, authentic. It was more authentic, right. We were just having fun. Alice uh, got to do it. Us three well, we got so, to do the run out. Uh, there was their special guest was what is his Rico name? Browning, uh, yeah, the underwater creature from the Black Lagoon. Because your favorite old movie is Creature from the Black Lagoon. So was that cool? That probably like my favorite universe. Did you get movie. to meet Rico Browning? Uh, yeah. He. Was, I also bought a shirt from him. Was it cool? Yeah. See, this is how you can tell they're my kids. David's <laughs> like, I love Creature, and he got excited to meet. Rico Browning. Also, I got a poster from Danny. Oh, that's right, Danny. You got the poster. He, he signed a, a lobby card poster for no. you guys. Uh, that he, he was the little kid in the blob. Yeah. Uh, and now he's not so much a little kid anymore. He's like 65. <laughs> uh, and we constantly do his line about the dog. Mm -hmm. I don't like William. Mm -hmm. uh, Alice, yeah. what was uh, one or two of your favorite Mimiverse memories out promoting your artistic work? Uh, well, Blobfest was really fun because mm -hmm. um, it was cool to see your movies up there with other classic mm -hmm. movies. Yeah. And then um, probably when we um, went to Ohio and there was a 
they had the the family we stayed at had like their own when we were promoting the burger dog and like showing our movies there and they had their uh, own we're okay since alice isn't being totally specific here Sorry. uh there's a drive-in outside of toledo mm -hmm. uh called the field of dreams drive-in i also love that trip uh too. which was uh is literally this really nice couple own farmland and they put a drive-in on their farmland uh and they had the you know they had to get like special zoning and all this stuff to allow it but they built a, a drive-in on their their farmland so all the surrounding communities come see it and we were promoting the uncle john's burger dog when that still existed um and they showed the giant spider yeah. at their drive-in so we went out there and the people were really really nice and they put us up in their house for like the weekend and they and made us like breakfast. made us really good yeah. like blueberry pancakes and they and said good. that we took like a ham in their break room for the yeah party. and it was it was really really fun and so that's what alice is talking about yeah i wasn't being very specific but that so was feel the really dreams drive-in guys check it out it's really good i think they sold it yeah. they said they actually they had another one they sold one of them but not oh, the one in their yeah. backyard well, <laughs> we also went to their second drive-in yeah the, which was in tiffin ohio which was um a different drive-in uh that they just they sold to another operator mm -hmm. just recently so it's still around they just don't own it anymore but i think they'd actually given it like their son owned it or something yeah i don't know i don't know the logistics or the specifics but field dreams driving in uh toledo or maybe they're in tiffin i don't know <laughs> i don't know ohio all i know is it's not pennsylvania right david <laughs> so what has been your favorite premiere since mm. you've gone to all of them since you've been alive well, we missed. We've been like, to a lot of them. <laughs> right. Well, Alice has missed a couple because she wasn't born yet. You missed a handful because you weren't born yet. But you're yeah. born now. So, what's your favorite yeah. one? Probably Guns of the Apocalypse. Because that was your movie. <laughs> well, yeah, and because it was just. And you got to stay up late afterwards and went to get yeah. food and all that. Yeah, that was fun. But I did like Guns of the Apocalypse and Queen of Snipe. Snake. Almost said snatch. Queen of Snacks. <laughs> uh, but because that one, I can remember better. Oh, I don't <laughs> know. That makes also, sense, you know. And, uh, well, like, our best friends came. Yeah. And uh, there was just people that and, I actually knew. And for Guns of the Apocalypse, you could, a lot of people were dressed up in Western gear. Yep. So it was, like, really, really fun and just... Very I cool. miss the premieres. Me too. And then we usually do a dinner before, yep. like the day before, and then and then Applebee's after right, the premiere. Hit up the old Applebee's. Yeah. Yeah, and we were going to go this year. I yeah. mean, we we always have fun, and it's too bad that the stupid coronavirus is pushing all the stuff. But we are going to have a cool digital premiere this year for Unseen Invasion. It'll be done. I'll probably give it another month and I'll be done with it. So I'm excited about that because we're uh -huh. going to do up some fun stuff. We're going to, I got some ideas. We're, we're going to have some extra, extra stuff for people to experience to give them almost a, a virtual feeling of being at one of our premieres. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to get dressed up just because. Why right? not? Right. All right. So I think that kind of wraps up everything we need to talk about. 
Real quick, I want to ask you guys, off the top of your heads, before we go, pitch me a movie idea. Go. Don't think about it. Just, just react. Go. What? Just pitch me a movie <laughs> idea. Go. It's a beach party movie. Beach party movie. Remember beach party movie. What do you got? Will there be a monster in that beach party movie? Yes. Of course. I don't really have an idea. Just go. Pitch me. Go. Evil dolphins. Evil <laughs> dolphins. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, we got a beach party movie coming up and evil dolphins at some point in the future. Right. Would you be an evil dolphin? <laughs> Would you play an evil dolphin? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Last question. I know that I said that was the last question before we go, but I always come up with more. Are you excited about the third Phantom of My Kids movie we're going to make? Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, also, are I've you... i heard about it. Yes, yes. Have you, are you excited about the Mimiverse holiday special? Yes. I haven't read that script. What? I've, I know On that note, that. we will talk to you next time uh, without David, who hasn't read that script, because <laughs> he's out of the club. <laughs> Did you say I don't know where it is? <laughs> Well, give me the script and I'll read it. No word is either. Yeah, we'll have to reprint it, I think. Okay, thank you guys for joining us this mm -hmm. month. Thank you, Alice and David, for all the hard work you do. Thank you, David, for saving the Mimiverse. Remember, P.O. Box 120480, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55112. Amazon gift cards for David for saving the Mimiverse. All right, thank you guys for being my interview subjects and for kicking off the season of the unseen... Invasion! 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 Was I supposed to say invasion? <laughs> Hello everyone, this is Richard the Monster Movie Kid, and it's time for another edition of the Kansas City Crypt. This past summer, over at the Classic Horse Club podcast, Jeff Owens and I went to the drive-in. We went to actual old drive-ins. Well, not really, but we used our Wayback Machine to imagine that we were visiting drive-ins and watching real double and triple features that were played at real drive-in theaters. It was a blast. We had a lot of fun. But you know what? Well, summer is coming to an end, and it's time to settle in for the new fall television season. Again, not in 2020, because that's not very exciting. Now, we're talking about the early 1970s, when, when the fall season premieres happened, when television was a little different, and in my opinion, a little better. Well, a lot better in some cases. Jeff and I are going to be taking a look at some made-for-TV movies from the early to mid-1970s, back in the day when the big networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, would actually make their own movies. Now, I figured it would be kind of cool to do the same thing here this month at the Kansas City Crypt. A little less horror, a little more sci-fi and adventure. But I want to take a look at one of my all-time favorites, The Six Million Dollar Man. Now, the TV series started in 1974, but it began life as three made-for-TV films in 1973. And from the, really, from the get-go, right out of the gate, this show had me hooked. Some of my earliest television memories actually date back to 1970. And yes, I do remember watching The Six Million Dollar Man in 1973, those early pilot movies, and I was instantly hooked. You know, even the promo that they ran in 1973, I've watched it numerous times over the years, and it is 
It's engaging. It's pretty cool. It gives you an idea of what you've got coming up. And again, this was just television movies in 1973. But they knew there was something happening. They knew they knew that there was going to be bigger things on the horizon. The $6 million man from 1973 would lead to this great promo in 74 for what would be one of the most popular television shows of the 1970s. What's the worth of a man for Steve Austin? It's $6 million. Colonel Austin is in that plane. Well, I think they're going to shoot us down. Isn't there any other way? Lee Majors is Steve Austin. Steve Austin is the $6 million man, and he's worth every penny. All right, pretty cool stuff. And, well, it actually began life as a pretty cool book. If you've ever had the opportunity to read Cyborg by author Martin Caden, I'd encourage you to do so. The character of Steve, and obviously the things in the book, are a little bit more fantastical, something that ABC television couldn't do in 1973. The character of Colonel Steve Austin is there, and yes, there is the accident, and yes, he's bionic. Two legs, a right arm, and a left eye. But in the book, Steve can have a variety of attachments on his arm, and his eyes, well, they can shoot laser. Well, now you couldn't do that in 1973 TV. Kind of wish they would have been able to maybe add that along the way, which they kind of did in the 1980s reunion movies, but Steve didn't necessarily get the upgrade. We'll talk more about that later. The very first movie aired on March 7th, 1973, and it was called simply The Six Million Dollar Man. Of the three pilot movies, they were all 75 minutes in length, designed to fit into a 90-minute time frame. 90-minute movies were kind of the thing, especially, I think ABC was the only one that did 90-minute movies. I'm not sure the other two networks did. ABC had it down pat, and a lot of these cool movies from the 1970s, at 75 minutes, gives you just what you need to make for a good film. Kind of like the old films, right? The classics from the 30s and 40s. Steve Austin is played by Lee Majors, who by 1973 was still well-known as Heath Barkley on The Big Valley, another one of my all-time favorite shows. Steve's portrayal, or excuse me, Lee Majors' portrayal of Steve early on in the these early movies and really the first season of the TV show is still a little rough around the edges. Steve kind of warms up as the as the movies and the and the TV series goes along because Lee Majors gets more comfortable in the role. And well, his surroundings are a bit more settled down. Early on, things were I don't know, just a little rough. Doesn't make the first movie any less enjoyable, but you get a hint, but only a hint of what's to come. In the movie, we really start right off from the get-go. Steve is a, he's an Air Force pilot. He's an astronaut. He's been to the moon, and he is testing a new aircraft. It goes horrifically wrong. It crashes. He loses both legs, his right arm and his left eye, and he's going to die. However, enter the OSI. And if I remember correctly, it may have had a different name in the first film. Nonetheless, it's the OSI. Oscar Goldman... 
Yeah, nowhere to be seen in this first film. It's Oliver Spencer, played by Darren McGavin. Yes, Kolchak, the Night Stalker himself. Well, in this in this first movie, Oliver Spencer is a bit of an asshole. He's he views Steve really as government property, as a machine to be turned on and off whenever he's needed for a mission. That's something that Dr. Rudy Wells resists. He wants to keep things on the human side. Rudy Wells is played by actor Martin Balsam in this first movie. He's the first of three actors who would play Rudy Wells, and I think he does really well in this movie. He's my I think he's my second favorite Rudy. It's implied that Steve and Rudy had been friends for a while before the accident. That's something that's downplayed later on. The OSI basically comes to Rudy with the idea of, hey, we're going to give you money because Rudy has this uh, idea of, of bionics and it's, it's played up a little differently early on. 75 minutes... They pack a lot into this film. The the accident, Steve's coming to terms with his bionics. He's not a happy guy when he finds out. He considers himself a freak. He goes on uh, a first mission. It is clearly a pilot film for cool adventures to happen down the road. The movie is hugely successful, and two more movies are ordered for the fall of 1973. The second film, Wine, Women, and War, is in many ways vastly different than what we get in the first film. Steve is now firmly settled in, but still coming to terms with who he is, and the writers are as well. In this movie, Steve is written as kind of like a James Bond super spy. He's even wearing tuxedos, and uh, he is not James Bond, folks. This movie is fun to watch, but it is odd because Steve doesn't seem like he's acting like himself all the time. There's elements there, but other times, it, this setting and everything happening, it does kind of feel like we're watching a James Bond flick. But we do get to start to see some familiar faces. Oliver Spencer is thankfully gone. Enter Oscar Goldman, played by Richard Anderson. Now, the friendship between Steve and Oscar would become one of the best parts of the television show, but early on, it wasn't quite there. Oscar, he you could tell that Oscar considered Steve more than just an agent, but Oscar still looked at Steve as, well, not, not his property. He wasn't as bad as Oliver Spencer, but I don't know. The warmness wasn't quite there yet. It would get better over time. His uh, his early version of Oscar Goldman, again, is so much better than Oliver Spencer, but it's still a little rough around the edges. Nonetheless, I love Richard Anderson. I love the character. Dr. Rudy Wells is still on hand, but now played by actor Alan Oppenheimer, who's my least favorite of the three actors who played Rudy. He would play Rudy in the rest of the movies, as well as the first two seasons of the show. In the third season, for reasons that have been lost to the annals of time, Rudy Wells would be replaced by actor Martin Brooks. Later on in the season, Alan Oppenheimer would come back for one or more appearance, and then after that, Martin E. Brooks would uh, assume the role of Rudy full-time, and in fact would even become a, a, uh, a full-fledged character with his credits, uh, in the, uh, his name in the opening credits of the, uh, the intro. By, that would happen in the fourth season. 
Here, though, Rudy Wells is – we've kind of already started the, the, the retconning a little bit because Rudy is definitely viewed as, a, as working now with the OSI, which is something that, again, really wasn't seen or implied in quite the same way in the first movie. Wine, Women, and War has elements, as I said, of what would come, but there's still things that just don't work in this one. It is fun. I enjoy it. But you got to go in with the mindset that it just is going to put Steve in kind of some different scenarios. The, I don't know, the threats seem a little bit bigger in the second and third television films than we would get in the series. Things would become a little more scaled back, and that seemed a little bit more true to form for the character. Now, yeah, there'd be big, big threats later on in the series, but I don't know, in these early movies... Steve is still, well, the writers are still trying to figure out who Steve is. Now, one thing they did for the second and third film is actually give the $6 million man its first intro. Now, one of the coolest aspects about the television series was the intro and the the iconic music. That wasn't quite happening yet in these first films. And in fact, the first intro visually kind of gives an idea of what they would do in the in the television series proper but the music ah oh, man the music music's a little on the trippy side folks dusty springfield if you know who dusty springfield is well dusty springfield does does the intro let's take a listen Yeah, that doesn't sound anything like the television series. The uh, logo that they used, actually, was used on some of the early merchandise. I had it on some coloring books back in the day. They'd make changes by the time this series would come along. But for these uh, second and third films, not quite there just yet. The third film was The Solid Gold Kidnapping, and it aired less than a month later on November 17th, 1973. And this one seems a bit more like a traditional $6 million man two-parter. It has to do with a kidnapped diplomat, Oscar trying to fend off the reporters and fear of leaked information coming out, and Oscar looking like he's on the verge of having a heart attack or a stroke, while Steve is trying to solve all the world's problems in the nick of time. It's a fun film, my least favorite of these first three, but again, Steve's character feels a bit more like what we would get in the series. Oscar feels a bit more in character. Interesting that these movies, you know, the second and third films would come out so close to each other, but yet they would have a very different feel from one film to the next. After three movies, by this point, ABC had already ordered a television series, and we would get that series in January of 1974. Lee Majors and Richard Anderson would be part of the full-time cast. Rudy, as I said, would be a recurring character and would eventually become a full-time character by the fourth season. For five years, The Six Million Dollar Man aired on ABC, and the first four of which were all huge in the ratings. 
There would be a spin-off series, The Bionic Woman with Lindsay Wagner. There would be a few attempts at other spin-offs like The Bionic Boy that never happened. Steve would battle real-time, real-world crooks and villains, but he also battled outer space aliens, and there were the exciting adventures where he would fight other robots. He would battle Bigfoot and Death Probe and even another bionic man in The Seven Million Dollar Man. The series had iconic music. The sound effects, the bionic sound effects, which weren't really present in the first three films, and not even really through most of the first season of the show, would become iconic by the time you get to the second season. Merchandising, merchandising, merchandising would be everywhere. By 1978, the bionic craze would fade, but the shows would be hugely successful in syndication. And by 1987, reunion movies kicked up, just nine years after the end of the original shows. And in typical season premiere, two-part, to-be-continued fashion, I'm going to stop right there. If you want to hear more about the reunion movies and how this bionic all the bionic adventures of Steve Austin and Jamie Summers wrapped up, I encourage you to take a look at my blog, kccinephile.com. Later on in the month of September, I'm going to be talking about the last three made-for-television films that would wrap everything up in good fashion. We didn't get it with the TV series, but by 1994, we would get the happy ending that we so, uh, we so desperately wanted for Steve and Jamie. And if you want to hear more about made-for-television films, why don't you check out the Classic Chorus Club podcast this month. Jeff and I are taking a look at four made-for-TV films from uh, the early 1970s. When Michael Calls, The Devil's Daughter, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, and Where Have All the People Gone? We're going to settle in in front of that early 1970s color TV and kick off the fall season proper. Well, that's it for this time, folks. I'm Rich Chamberlain, the Monster Movie Kid, and uh, I'm going to close this edition of the Kansas City Crypt. Until next time, stay safe and take care, everyone. Thank you, Mr. Chamberlain, and thank you, Alice and David, for being my interview subjects this month. Thank you for checking out this month's audio cast. I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything you have personally done to help keep the Mimiverse alive. Times are tough, but hang in there. We're in this together, and we will come through this together. Keep watching monster movies. Keep watching Mimiverse movies. Now, before I turn it over to Dr. Bob for another one of his jokes, as I always say, be good. But if you can't do that, be good at it. I will talk to you again next month, where hopefully I'll be on the verge of completing the Unseen Invasion. Don't forget, we still need contributions. Every little bit helps. Unseeninvasion.com, or you can just go to sayeuphoria.com. Either way, tell everyone you know about the Mimiverse, and uh, keep on a-rockin', a-rollin', and all the way a-ramblin'. Oh, Dr. Bob! <laughs> it is I, Dr. Bob Tesla, with your Mimiverse Joke of the Month. A man walks into a bar, and he's accompanied by his ego and his superego, and the bartender looks up and he says, Hey, pal, I'm going to need to see some ID.
Come out to the Dwight Fry Underground Cinema on September 19th when we'll be showing a mystery George Clooney movie. I'm not going to, to brag, but I think it's his best movie that we're going to be showing. But of course, check and let us know before you come out to the right, because uh, we are severely limited on attendance because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic that just will not go away. And again, I had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it.